Well, yes, Colorado is among the winners in the Pac-12 on National Signing Day, but they're not the only one. Let's go. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, post-National Signing Day to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions, which is why, if you haven't already and you want to stay up to date with all the latest breaking news in the conference, like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Richie Bradshaw joining me here because uh, some ASU news to talk about here on the show as well. But Richie, bit. the host of Locked on Sun Devils, I, I do want to talk about Colorado here for just a moment. And this may sound this may sound strange, but I'm telling you what, recruiting is not getting more normal. It seems to just be getting more and more weird. And I think Colorado legitimately is a winner in the Pac-12 on National Signing Day round two for the 2023 class because Cormani McLean put ink to paper. And that, it, it just, nothing, nothing ever feels like a given here. And that was just a finalized, that is a finalized deal. He's going to be a buff. And come this fall, Colorado's starting corners will be Travis Hunter, and Cormani McLean in a conference that's got a bunch of elite quarterbacks, and that's big news for the Buffs. Yeah, how can the Buffs not be winners? With Cormani McLean alone, that makes them a big winner. But you consider everything else that they've been able to bring in as well. They've got several other four-star guys like Dylan Edwards, Adam Hopkins, and a, a, a Marion Miller, excuse me. They've got Hunter Jackson transferring from, uh, what's it called, Jackson State, the Shadur Sanders is probably also going to be transferring. I don't think he's official yet, but there are so many great moves that the Buffs are making right now. And I know that if you're a Buffaloes fan and you're a student in Boulder, that this is just something that the program has never seen before. And it has got everyone so excited for the future and if Deion Sanders is able to prove that he can coach with the big dogs and not just at HBCUs and whatnot, like there's there is so much potential for Colorado to become one of the better schools in the Pac-12. But again, Cormani McLean by himself would have made this a winning class. But everything else that they brought in as well is so big. And one of the things that you mentioned uh, to me off air before we got started here was it's so hard to buy in until you have pen to paper because so many people can decommit and recommit and go to other places and stuff like that. But Cormani's inked. He is going to be a Buffalo for at least one year unless he transfers after and is a one and done. But right now, how are you supposed to throw on this team is my biggest question. I, I, I mean, there are a lot of great receivers. There are a lot of great quarterbacks in the Pac-12, but that's why I, I think this is so notable. The Buffs' defense, 
I mean, their offense was dreadful as well in 2022. But, you know, with Sanders and a couple other players in there, it should at least be improved with Sanders leading the way at the quarterback position. But defensively, they were atrocious. It was easy to throw on them. It was easy to run on them. And these are not just improved players from last year that they're bringing in comparatively. But these are high-level players that literally any team in the Pac-12 would want to have. Travis Hunter, any team in the country Frankly, I mean, Travis Hunter was considering Georgia, and he's with Dion. Yep. And Cormani McLean was looking at Miami, who won the ACC recruiting battle this year, and he's going to to Dion instead. And I think getting that finalized again is, you know, that was expected, but you didn't have some <laughs> sometimes not being overly newsworthy or not having a big piece of news is great news as a fan. That's just general rule of thumb. Sometimes that's a really good thing because news can go in either direction here. But Colorado, definitely one of the, one of the winners from yesterday just on that alone. But Richie, the other big one I, I think pretty clearly was Arizona State. Landing Jaden Rashada, who we talked about all week here on the show, and John Garcia said, yeah, kind of seems like ASU's in the best spot. That came to fruition. I do imagine there were other schools going after him. Cal was interested, you know, dating back to his uh, original recruitment. I imagine Washington was trying to get into that mix. Would be pretty surprised if they did not. But ASU ultimately uh, emerges here, Richie. What was your reaction to Jaden Rashada choosing the Sun Devils? I'll tell you what. Yesterday for National Signing Day, I planned on taking a day off from the podcast. I was going to do a YouTube live, and that was it. But then I woke up, and I think I got to be awake for about 20 minutes before my phone was blowing up that Jaden Rashada had committed. And at that point, I'm like, there's no way I can't do a podcast about this. So we had to hop on. I did my instant reactions. I'm not going to lie. There, there are so many things to talk about with Rashada, not just as a player, but what he's going to do for recruiting moving forward. When you land a premium player like that, like he is an, such a high four-star that he was almost a five-star recruit. In fact, I think at the beginning, he was a five. Process, at one, he, he was, was a, five a five at one, he was a five at one point in time. It came down to four. That stuff. It's it's, it's so weird, weird how that stuff moves around and such. The the bottom mm-hmm. line. Don't get caught up in that. What yes. you need to know is, is he is a high level recruit, and, and there's a reason that he was coveted by a number of of big time programs in the country. Yep, he was looking at Miami. He was at Florida before that unraveled, and that that's a whole can of worms. And then TCU was looking at him and Cal was looking at him. Like there, there was a lot of suitors for Jaden Rashada. And I know that on my podcast, Locked on Sun Levels, when I was talking about it, it was one of those things where I was like, look, it's really cool. And like, it would be amazing if we got him. But right now, the biggest thing is just knowing that we're bringing those guys in for, for recruiting trips and like just getting in their ear and starting to pave the road. But you got to, in the first year of Kenny Dillingham, it has been 66 days. There are 45 players that are coming into this program via the transfer portal and via the 2023 recruiting class. And there are some big names. There's former five-star pass rusher Clayton Smith, who's coming into the program. Now you've got uh, uh, Jaden Rashada. Like, there's a lot of great things going on right now for the team. They are absolutely not just one of the biggest winners in the Pac-12, but one of the biggest winners in the entire college football landscape. 
Yeah, I, I think that's completely accurate. And they've made some other nice additions as well. I think down the line, I don't know if he's an immediate starter, but Bram Walden from Oregon, he was a guy mm -hmm. who I had my eye on when he was in Eugene as someone who could be a contributor at some point in time on the offensive line. And of course, we all know you, you got to build in the trenches or things are not going to go very, very well for you. But Arizona State bringing in a, a lot, a lot of players. But those weren't the only two programs that had good days. A couple programs had sort of iffy days that uh, I want to talk about. And then a couple programs, well, let's just say it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows at this point in time. We'll tell you which schools those are after we tell you about FanDuel. We're excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, that being FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Really easy to use as well. Remarkably simple, great interface, everything that you need to get your gambling fixed. Make every, every, make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, so two programs in the Pac-12, Richie, that had up and down signing days yesterday. Oregon and USC. Now, Oregon misses on Nicholas Harbor, who's a five-star athlete, probably projects as a tight end, could play edge, could play... Line, I mean, he's he plays said, football. Yeah, he plays he plays football. It's a good way of looking at it. His, his comps athletically are Isaiah Simmons defensively and Kyle Pitts offensively, and he's also a guy who aspires to be an Olympian track athlete. That was the downside for Oregon yesterday because that's a guy the Ducks felt like they were in a good spot for. It was between Oregon and South Carolina. He ends up choosing the Gamecocks, and, and Shane Beamer, who did just have a really solid season, particularly at, at the end of the year. But Oregon misses on, on Nicholas Harbor, disappointing. But then they snag Roderick Pleasant, four-star corner, one of the fastest players in the country, also a track guy, and he's going to the Ducks and chose them over USC. And... It was not supposed to go down that way. It looked like everything was trending towards USC. And then Oregon kind of came in at, at the last moment and and, and kind of swooped them away, it, it seems. And I, I think that USC fans, I, I've seen a lot of mixed reactions and whatnot. First of all, the reactions for every fan base, and you've seen this with, or I've seen it, at least with Nicholas Harbor as well. When a kid is going to potentially choose your school, but ends up going elsewhere, it's always... Didn't want him. Didn't need him. We're 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 fine. We're better without him. Actually, and I gotta say, just as a general note, I don't care what fan base is coming from. It's the most obnoxious thing in recruiting for college football, man. Because when forty-eight hours ago, a bunch of people are saying, "Oh my gosh, I really want this guy. Hope he chooses our school," and then he doesn't. You say, "Oh man, we don't actually need him. We just like." Just a PSA to everybody out there. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy or girl or fan or whoever. Just don't, just don't, don't do that. But so 
Oregon and USC have some give and take there because Oregon for the second straight year actually has happened with Jalil Florence last year beats out USC for a four-star corner from the state of California and in that SoCal area Jalil Florence was a guy who played a good amount as a true freshman and has a lot of upside for uh, the Ducks coming into this season as well but it's not all bad news for USC because they go out and they add a very and I mean very intriguing prospect in Walker Lyons who is or was going to go to Stanford, which as we all know, Richie, is tight end University West. It's Iowa and it's Stanford, and they're in a running gun battle for who's tight end University. So if the Cardinal and David Shaw were interested in him, you know this is a a high-level player. What what do you make of the way that those battles kind of played out by the time the dust settled? I think it's just kind of funny the way that recruiting is and like how fickle everything can be. Because when you think that something is going to go one way, it just turns around and goes a completely different direction. And for Oregon, like they were looking at how many five stars, like Dante Moore was coming in. You had the athlete whose name has already escaped me. Like there's Nicholas Harbor. Thank you, Nicholas Harbor. I was going to say Clay Harbor and I was like, that's not right. (laughs) That is a, that is a former NFL tight end. Yeah. There, there's been a lot of guys linked to Oregon and like some are, some are leaving. Right. But you've also had some guys that maybe you didn't expect that are going to the program. So with Oregon, it's, it's just been what feels like a very shaky ride. It's, it, it feels like there's, there's still a lot of really good things that are going on, but exactly. It's, it could have been better, right? If Dante Moore yes, stayed, if 100%. Nicholas Harbor had committed, but it's still a very, a very quality class. It just could have been elite. And unfortunately it just wasn't quite quite there because of how fickle the landscape is. Like we just mentioned on the previous segment, unless it's down in pen, pen to paper, you shouldn't count on anything, which is one of the reasons why Dante Moore was such a bummer when he went to uh, decommit from Oregon and go to uh, UCLA. And on the pen to paper front, that's also why I led the show with Cormani McLean putting his name down on his national letter of intent to Colorado because Oregon on the first national signing day thought they had another five-star in Peyton Bowen. And then it turned around after he put on the Oregon hat after he'd been committed to Notre Dame, everyone started asking the question, wait a minute, where's his NLI? Wait a minute. He hasn't signed. Wait, he still hasn't signed. Wait, is something going on? What's happening? Boom. He ends up going to Oklahoma. And look, it's it's just what the modern age of recruiting is. There's just crazy stuff and kids, you know, like like putting on the, the show. And I think schools like it for the attention as well, both the high schools and the colleges, I think both like it at some level. But I think Oregon and USC had solid days, but not the days they were necessarily hoping for because the the caveat with Walker Lyons here for USC one day yes he could be a very good player but he's going to serve a mission first so he's actually a 2025 player my understanding is it's going to be a two-year mission he's a, a member of the LDS church so it's a guy who could very well turn into a legitimate part of the offense for Lincoln Riley going forward 
but it's not someone who could help in the immediate future as Roderick Pleasant might have been able to because he's got elite high-end speed and could provide you at the very least some depth on the side of the ball where you need more help going into 2023. And then for Oregon, getting Pleasant is nice, right? It feels like a consolation prize, which is selling Roderick Pleasant short because he does have elite speed and looks like a, a really intriguing player. And I think he bumped their overall class ranking up a couple slots as well. But he's going into a position group for the Ducks that doesn't need immediate help as much as tight end, which is what Harbor would would have played. So that's why I, I think Oregon and USC are not quite winners, not quite losers. They're, they're somewhere in between. I think the two teams that had the, the worst day, Richie, were Stanford, for, first of all, because... Look, maybe you expected to lose a guy like Walker Lyons, but he just feels like a Stanford player. You know, if there's like if you just looked broadly across the Pac-12 and said, hey, there's someone of LDS faith who's not going to BYU. What school feels the most appropriate for him? It's probably Stanford. And he plays a position that the Cardinal have historically recruited and developed very well. Now they miss out on this guy. But you know the other team that... You know, and this isn't National Signing Day specific. I'm a little surprised on the one hand and not totally surprised on the other that they are currently last in the 2023 recruiting rankings, including the transfer portal, is Washington State. Because Washington State just had a seven-win season, which by the Cougars' metrics is solid. It's nothing exceptional. We've seen them go to, to greater heights before. But you follow that season up, with losing two coordinators, and I think that certainly factored into the the recruiting as well. And then right now they're sitting 12th for 2023 talent acquisition. I, I'm not saying it's an abject disaster here, but that's that's not where you would have liked to have been if you're a Washington State fan. No, and they're they're one of those teams that feels like they're on the cusp, right? Is they are they're like right there. Like last year, it felt like they could have been a 10, 11, 12, not, not a 12 win team, but it felt like they could have had a lot more wins than they actually did. They there could have, really they could have been games. nine and three. They could have yes. easily, they could have easily been nine and three after they picked up that win against Wisconsin. That's what, it, where it looked like they might've been headed and seven and five was okay. But nine and three, I think was in the cards. Yeah. And they blew that game against Oregon too. I mean, there, there was a lot of opportunity for Washington state last year that they just unfortunately couldn't capitalize on. You would have hoped that with a good recruiting class, maybe pulling in a handful of like four star, hopefully you get that five star guy, but I mean, you can't bank on that every single time, but you know, they, they obviously were hoping on a better recruiting class than what they ended up getting to help get them over the hump. And unfortunately they're still just kind of stuck in neutral right now. Like they're, they're a quality good team. They're definitely in that second tier of the pac 12 though. They're certainly below the best of the best they're they're good they're they're in that mix with the uh, just depends who you would put in that tier like an Oregon State potentially in Arizona potentially I'd put Oregon Arizona State, State. I put Oregon State above them though I I agree yeah it's it's just tough because I, I feel like Washington State could be better than they are but when you can't close out the games on on the field but then you also can't pull in the recruits that you need in order to replace and improve and get better. It's just tough to be better than what you are, which is quality. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. But speaking of quality, uh, that brings to mind Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham is sending a very clear message at this point in time. And yes, results on the field have to follow at some point. But I think what he's doing reminds me very much of, forgive me, Richie, what Jed Fish did at Arizona, which yeah. was he came in and you understood it was going to be a rebuild. And Kenny Dillingham hasn't coached a, a game yet, but Jed Fish recruited better than you would have thought in the 2022 cycle. Arizona, if you just look at the high school prep ranks, I'm pretty sure was at or around the top 25 in the country. And you look at that and go, wait a minute, after a one-win season, what are you – how how is how's that possible here? You got a five star receiver. That's right. They had I think he was a high McMillan? four technically. But yeah, yeah. but T yeah, but T Mac, really good player, their number one receiver last year and going into this year as well on the outside. But you look at what he did there and what Dillingham is doing at ASU, which is take over a program that is basically in disarray, has got to have a total reset, and you look at the success on the recruiting trail and you say, okay there's some increase in optimism here. And then that took another step forward with Jaden Rashada coming on board because Rashada is indicative of the caliber of players, specifically the quarterback position that Kenny Dillingham can recruit. You saw that when he was at Oregon, he had Dante Moore going there. He leaves Dante Moore goes elsewhere. Now he goes to Arizona state and Jaden Rashada goes there. So this is a guy who's connecting with young players and is connecting with the quarterback position specifically, which is good for a guy who's on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's sending a very clear message of you hired me to fix this situation and we are making every effort and delivering some early results on that front. Yep. He came in the first day of his press conference. He said he wanted to activate the Valley that got trending. That became a hashtag that became associated with everything Arizona State Sun Devils football moving forward. He clearly has been hell-bent on turning this program around in a hurry. He has attacked the transfer portal in ways that a lot of teams in in the in in the foot in the college football landscape just haven't done to the extent that Arizona State is there are 25 transfers, Spencer, that are coming into Arizona State. 25 they have the number 10 transfer class. They went from, seriously, there was a point in time with Herm Edwards where they had five recruits for 2023. They were outside of the top 100. 100. They were, I'm pretty sure in 2022, for that recruiting cycle, they were, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm pretty sure it was like 102nd. Yeah, they were that bad. Since 103rd. Yep. 103rd in the prep ranks, 56th overall when you factor in the portal. Neither is acceptable. Neither. And you look at what Dillingham has done, and you went from 103rd. They are now the 46th recruiting class, which it does include uh, Jaden Rashada. That, that's a massive improvement in one year, not even in 66 days as a head coach for Arizona State. He has improved you more than twice as good as you were you have the 36th overall class, the 46th composite, and the 10th transfer. This is clearly Dillingham, like I said, hell-bent on turning this program around sooner rather than later. The next step for him, obviously, is going to be actually coaching that talent because he could he could be – this like 
far out example. So he could be Nick Saban or he could be Kevin Sumlin. Like he needs to be able to be able to coach up the kids too, not just be able to recruit them because Kevin Sumlin, when he was at AM, had no problem bringing in five-star guys, Kyle Allen, Christian Kirk, Travion Henderson, uh, Dalen Mack. They brought in so many talented players and got nothing out of them, Spencer. So it'll be on Kenny Dillingham to actually be able to coach these guys up at this point. But as as far as a recruiting standpoint goes, it feels like he's doing everything right. And now they've got they've got guys lined up for next year. They got their first 2024 commit uh, last night. They've got three guys that are coming in for visits over the next few months, which includes the number one edge rusher in the upcoming class. And uh, Colin, I swear I'm going to remember his name eventually. Uh, Colin Simmons <laughs> from Texas. The number one edge rusher is taking a visit to Arizona State. There's several other four stars. Like You are already seeing everything pay off. So recruiting, I think he's got it nailed. It's just a matter of coaching from here. Yeah, but recruiting, as they say, lifeblood of your program. And if you don't recruit at, at the very least, a higher level than what ASU was at at this time 365 days ago, then uh, building up is just going to be increasingly difficult. Richie Bradshaw is the host of Locked On Sun Devils Monday through Friday on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts, as is this show as well. As you all know, Richie, thank you so much for coming on. And I... Uh, I'm I'm happy for you, my friend, that ASU is on the up and up at this point in time. Good thing for the Pac-12, by the way. Once the LA schools leave, you got to have as many elite programs as you can. And boy, right now, I, I would pick Colorado and Arizona State as teams that can put themselves kind of in the, the top half of the remaining 10 teams that aren't currently there. So I, I think they're doing a lot of things right right now. Thanks, yep. Richie. They're doing a great job recruiting. Like we said, it's just going to be a matter of coaching. It's hard not to get excited for both of these programs. It really, really is. It's hard not be excited to have the opportunity to listen to the show tomorrow as well. I know. Wasn't that a nice transition to the end of the show? I think so. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. However you're feeling about it. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.